Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. It's me, Michael G. Welcome to All Things Billy, the podcast. This is season two, episode indeterminate. Because <laughs> I didn't even bother to look up what the last episode number was. But it's in the high teens, I think. Uh, significantly younger than me. Thank you for joining me and uh, appreciate uh, you all being here. Uh, we are today going to talk about some of the biggest myths about Billy the Kid and uh, see if we can sort through those and put a little common sense and reason there uh, versus mythology and legend. And uh, these are not the only myths. These are the ones I looked through and recollected and, uh, and thought would be good, but certainly there are many, many, many myths out there. In fact, that's kind of the thing that prevents uh, reality from happening. A lot of people say, oh, if you just close your mind to every time somebody says something that you don't believe in, then you'll never learn anything. That's true. I agree with that. Uh, but if you open your mind every time somebody comes up with some ridiculous theory or something that's obviously not true, then you will quickly tire of the search and you will never learn anything. And I believe that as well. So uh, there's a there's a fine line between that. But, you know, if you talk about people who are related to Billy the Kid, well, there's hundreds, thousands across the country. He was my uncle. He was my great, you know, this, that, the other thing. And almost all of them are wrong. Maybe all of them are wrong. They certainly all can't be right. And uh, and that's just, you know, then you you go to photographs and then you go to, you know, remembrances of things that he said or, said or did. And uh, all of a sudden, you're swamped in a bunch of stuff that's 98% fact. Oh, I'm sorry, fact. <laughs> fiction, you know, uh, completely made up. And then 2% fact. And it's pretty hard to, to parse through that. But we'll endeavor to do that anyway today. Uh, before we go on, I want to thank all of you who have watched the film, The Final Trial of Billy the Kid. More reviews coming in, uh, have come in. Um, and... Uh, so far, anyway, <laughs> they've all been positive. I think the people that uh, didn't like it just probably didn't say anything. But that will not last. Uh, yeah, if history is any guide, uh, pretty soon the blistering, scathing <laughs> reviews will come in, telling everybody what a moron the writer and director was and uh, you know what a piece of crap the film was. But uh, so far, everybody seems to really have enjoyed it. And that's probably the biggest thing is... Um, I think anyway, the film is enjoyable to watch, whether you agree with it or not, even if you're not a Billy the Kid fan. Um, I think it's a you know well-told uh, story. The acting is just great. And uh, a number of the actors have been singled out for their performances. So I don't know that we'll get any Academy Awards because we're, we don't exist in that universe. But uh, in any event, thank you all for watching. Uh, you can watch in... Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. on Amazon video. Just go to Amazon and uh, type in The Final Trial of Billy the Kid. You can watch anywhere else in the world on Vimeo. Just go to Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O dot com and, uh, and uh, search for The Final Trial of Billy the Kid. And uh, it'll, it'll be in other countries. But as of this morning, it was just the U.K. and the U.S. on Amazon. And again, that's not Amazon Prime. That's not the, hey, I, I pay my 100 bucks a year to Amazon, so I watch it for free. That's Amazon uh, TVOD, transactional video. So you can uh, rent or purchase it in either place. All right. So uh, 
I think we should get right into this before we take a break. Enough blathering on <laughs> for me. Uh, so uh, the first, and, and I'm still kind of struggling with a cold or whatever the after effects of this damn COVID is. So excuse my voice. Um, the first one that uh, came up, the first big myth about Billy the Kid, uh, is that he was 21 years old when he was killed, having been born on November the 23rd, I think it was November 23rd, 1859. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, November, uh, uh, yeah, November 23rd, 1859. Well, that actually could be true. There's a possibility, you know, of, of the hundreds of days, uh, probably thousands of days, you know, around when Billy could have been born, that could have been one of them. But the chances are probably one in, depending on how, how old you think he really was when he was killed, uh, the chances are probably one in about, I don't know, 1,500, 1,800, 2,000, somewhere around there. Um, the November 23rd birthday comes from uh, Pat Garrett's book, The Authentic, uh, or The True Life of Billy the Kid. And um, that's Ash Upson's birthday, who served as ghostwriter for the book, especially for the first uh, two thirds of it, roughly. And it happened to be that he was born on November 23rd, not 1859. So um, is it coincidence? Did Ash Upson know something that the rest of us didn't? I mean, Ash Upson lived for a while after Billy was killed. So, you know, some sort of proof along those lines should have been relatively easy to find. And, you know, did Billy even know Ash Upson? Well, uh, he went to the, uh, uh, was it Captain Lee's, you know, general store in Roswell. We have, you know, some testimony to that when uh, he bought a couple of candy hearts for Sally Chisholm and, and uh, Ash Upson was the, the storekeep there. So yeah, they probably knew each other and they probably had talked once or twice. I don't know if he walked up and said, Hey there, Mr. Upson, uh, two candy hearts. And by the way, my birthday is November 23rd, 1859. So if you ever write a book about me, get it right. <laughs> uh, I don't know that that happened. But uh, that birthday is suspiciously close to the guy who really wrote the first, uh, the first uh, well-known book about Billy the Kid. I think there was a book that came out even sooner than Garrett's, if I remember right. But I cannot remember the name. So uh, that would make him 21 years old on 14 July 1881 if Billy was killed then. Um, so, okay. But what if he wasn't born then? Do we have any proof he was born then? And the answer is no. Uh, we have Upson's writing. And you say, well, you know, he he was a contemporary of the kids. So you at least have to take that part seriously. There's never been a uh, birth certificate found that uh, exactly matches who we believe Billy Bonnie was. So uh, we don't know exactly where he was uh, born. It seems likely somewhere in New York, New York City, New York State, somewhere around there. But there are um, the uh, descendants of the Bonnie clan in, uh, as we were told recently, in Michigan. So, I mean, there's a lot of options here, but the answer is we don't know. A number of contemporaries, people that went to school with Billy, the Coes, um, 
Lily Casey, all had him younger at the time they knew him than he would have been if his birthday was in 1859. They all had him younger by a year or two. Um, you know, some new research going on shows that it could be as much as two, three, maybe even four years younger. So 21, 17, 18, the answer is we don't know. Uh, somebody suggested that uh, the that Garrett perhaps authorized that birthday so that the kid would be 21 and of age at the time that Garrett killed him. Uh, I don't know about that. <clears throat> I don't, you know, 21, 18, what's really the difference? Why not 20? Why not 50? You know, I mean, it's, it's, there's, I don't know what sense it makes to falsify a birthday. The guy is still dead or the kid is still dead. He has been killed and Garrett admittedly did it. So I don't know what the point is of faking his birthday to make yourself look better. I mean, you, you, if, if Garrett's story is to be believed, you sat in a dark room, he happened to walk in, you pulled your gun, you shot him in the heart. So, okay. Who cares how old he is? He was a wanted man. He murdered two of your deputies. If he was seven years old, that might be a little harsh, I guess. But, uh, so the first myth is that Billy, the kid was 21 years old when he was killed by Pat Garrett. And the answer is, he may have been, but there's a pretty good chance he was younger than that. And hence the name, Billy the Kid. We'll move on to our next myth buster right after this. And welcome back to the biggest Billy the Kid myths. So we have talked about his birthday and age when he was killed or not, or escaped, whatever you believe. Uh, the second one ties in closely with that, and that is that Billy killed 21 men, one for every year of his life. Now, that sounds like great literary prose. It sounds like something, um, you know, uh, intriguing and enticing, and uh, it's a good byline. Um, I think that people would hear that and go, wow, a 21-year-old killed one person for every year of his life. So I, it it flows <laughs> off the tongue and out of the imagination. But the reality, at least as far as what we have documented, is much less. So we know uh, for certain that Billy killed four people. The first one would have been Windy Cahill down in, uh, in, in near Camp Grant, Arizona. And that would have been 1877. Yeah, early 1877, if memory serves. Uh, Billy also killed Texas Red Joe Grant. I've never heard the Texas Red part until recently, but uh, but I've heard Joe Grant. And he uh, Joe Grant was killed in Fort Sumner, and that would be in 1880. Um, and uh, that was a uh, Billy uh, kind of played off the whole killing. There was some sort of discussion or argument where Billy intervened and said, that was a game of two and I got there first. In other words, yeah, I mean, he tried to kill me. I killed him. Let's move on. And then the other two people he definitively killed, although Brushy Bill said he did not, but the two he definitely killed were Bob Ollinger, J.W. Bell, in his escape from the Lincoln County Courthouse in April of 1881. So, for certain, four killings can be credited to Billy the Kid. Um, 
I, you know, you can decide if you want to justify those or not, however you want to handle that, that's up to you. Uh, but that's certainly more than enough to warrant a death sentence, which he did get at, uh, at trial in Messiah. But Billy very likely had a hand in killing some other people. Uh, Morton, Buck Morton, Baker, McCloskey, who uh, Baker, uh, uh, Morton and Baker were the first two of Dolan's men captured in the Lincoln County War, taken to Chisholm's South Spring Ranch, and then were uh, on their way back to Lincoln when they were uh, basically assassinated by uh, the regulators. And the legend says, I don't know that you can prove this, but there were 11 holes in each body, one for each regulator. There would have been 12 regulators, but one of them, McCloskey, was killed too. And nobody seems to know why. Uh, the story is that I think it was Morton reached over for a gun, took it and killed his only friend in the in the posse, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But hey, who knows? The regulators were alive and Morton and Baker were dead. So the regulators get to write that history. So uh, whether there was 11 holes or nine or 12 or whatever, it's pretty likely Billy had a part in shooting at least one of the people in that incident. So I don't know how many you're going to credit him for there. One, two. He took part in the killing of Sheriff Brady and uh, 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 George Hindman. And the again, legend credits that, uh, uh, in fact, Jose Chavez, E. Chavez said he shot Brady. And uh, the uh, legend credits Billy with shooting Hindman or taking the lead on it. But, you know, again, we, we don't know. But certainly, you, if you took part in a premeditated first-degree murder of two lawmen, then you're, you're guilty of that. So you've you got to give Billy credit on his tally of men that he killed with something there, another one. Maybe shot both. Maybe shot. Maybe didn't. Maybe he's not that good of a shot and his bullets missed. But uh, certainly there. Uh uh, uh, Deputy Carlisle at the uh, Great House uh, Ranch or station uh, was killed either by the posse chasing Billy and his gang or by Billy and his gang. Uh, and we don't really know who that is. Rudabaugh uh, implicated Billy and said to Billy Wilson, you and I shot once and the kids shot twice at him. So uh, Rudabaugh, at least, who <laughs> in front of you know people that would record that information, you know, he just gave the confession and, and and took his other two buddies down with him. Uh, so you, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. Um, the Indian clerk, uh, Bernstein, uh, although pretty well refuted that he was not killed by the regulators, they were there when uh, Apaches uh, apparently attacked the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Indian Bureau um, and. So who who killed Bernstein? I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense the regulators would do it, um, but they may have, you know, there's, yeah. So who knows? So you have those, right? You have maybe Bernstein, maybe Carlisle, maybe Dolan, maybe, uh, not, not Dolan, maybe Brady, maybe Hinman, Morton, Baker, um, and McCloskey. So, you, you know, you, you got a bunch to choose from. Was there anybody else? Well, if there is, uh, legitimate recorded history doesn't have anybody else that you can uh, you can put up there. 
um, the the stories, you know, he killed 21 men, not including Mexicans and Indians. Well, then it could be 50 or 80 or 100 or, you know, something like that. But that seems kind of against the, um, uh, the personality. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that about somebody who was a killer, which Billy obviously was. But it, it didn't seem like he was a wanton killer, like would go out for the sake of it, cause a fight, get drunk, and then shoot somebody. Um, you know, trouble made itself apparent and uh, or he, you know, took part in, he chose a side in a war and things were done. But he didn't seem like the kind of guy or kid that would go out and pick a fight just for the sake of picking a fight. And so uh, we don't know that there's any more. So the, the tally is definitely for if Billy's bullet found a mark on every one of those other people. We'd have to add, let's see, three, five, six, seven more. So 11 uh, on the high side, four on the low side, six, seven, eight, maybe. It's still a lot of people to have killed. I mean, one is a lot of people to have killed, um, but certainly not. There's no uh, evidence or history that backs up 21 men and 21, uh, one for every year of his life. Let's have a sip of tea here. You can enjoy the interlude in the meantime. All right, interlude over. <laughs> um, okay, next uh, myth about Billy the Kid is that he was the leader of the Regulators. The Regulators were Billy the Kid's gang. Now that's only partially a myth because after the five-day battle, um, and a, and a, a horse-stealing foray uh, by the regulators, uh, Doc Skurlock decided, mm, I've had enough. And he was the captain of the regulators at that point. And leadership kind of fell to, I don't know if it was officially conferred upon Billy, but he seemed to have a strong enough you know, command presence or force of personality that he was the de facto leader of what was left of the regulators. And even then, there would be, you know, very little organization until the rest of them, or most of the rest of them, drifted away. So, but was he the leader of the regulators during the Lincoln County War and any of the key battles? No. He is uh, said to be the architect of the escape from the McSween house. In other words, he was the one going around telling everybody, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. I would imagine conferring with Doc Skurlock at uh, some point about how that all was going to work out. Uh, but um, as the, you know, the leader during any of the significant uh, battles, operations of the Lincoln County War, Billy the Kid was a soldier. That's it wasn't the captain, wasn't the boss. He wasn't a, a boy among men who they all felt compelled to follow. He was just a good soldier. And, uh, you know, he uh, took part in essentially every, you know, major uh, battle. Maybe not the killing of Manuel Sig. I still think it's Segovia, but it could be Segovia. Uh, I don't, I don't believe that, uh, that Billy was there for that one, but you know, all the rest of the things he certainly was, certainly was brave enough to storm the or to attempt to star, storm the Tunstall store after Tunstall was killed with Fred Waite and uh, promptly be uh, 
arrested and held uh, overnight by Sheriff Brady. So, uh, yeah, but not a leader, not a captain uh, until it almost didn't matter anymore. And at that point, there were fewer and fewer regulators. It's kind of one of those things where you like a survivor, right? <laughs> you know, at the end of every show or the end of every day or whatever, somebody gets voted out and you look around, you go, hey, there's not too many of us left. I think that's kind of the feeling as you move into August, September of 1878. And uh, everybody decides, you know what? This war didn't really turn out very well for anyone, certainly not for us. And to get out of here for a while and let things cool down. And Billy was the last man to to have any sway over what was left of the regulators before everybody just skinned out. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. Talking about the biggest Billy the Kid myths. Hey, this is not, well, I guess this is a myth. It's not one that I came up with, but I found this on the About Billy the Kid page. And here's the myth that I, I, I've never heard before. As a young boy, Billy the Kid was given a Barlow knife as a gift, and he used it to decapitate a neighbor's kitten. Um, and the, uh, the response is absolutely not just a figment of someone's twisted imagination. Nothing more, nothing more than anti-Billy the Kid rubbish. Um, I, I've never heard that. I couldn't comment on it. It, doesn't, it sounds out of character. But the thing that caught my eye was the Barlow knife. The Barlow knife, that name, obviously, for anyone who's uh, investigated the story of Brushy Bill uh, will, uh, you know, ring true. I'd never heard of a Barlow knife before. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, but interestingly enough, I did a little research and a Barlow knife is a style of folding pocket knife known for its tough bolster and tear shaped handle. The Barlow knife was invented in England, but became popular in the United States in the 18th and 19th century. Obadiah Barlow, that's a great name by the way, is the most likely inventor uh, somewhere in, uh, in and around 1670, although a number of other Barlows, including his son, name not given, has been, uh, have been mentioned as possible inventors. And uh, so there you go, the, bar the Billy Barlow knife. Um, I never, <laughs> never ever heard of that. So. Who knows uh, how that plays into the entire mystery. Okay, we've got three myths down. I've got three more to go. Uh, this one easily dispelled, uh, but uh, very long lasting. And that is that Billy the Kid was left-handed. And very simply, for those of you that have seen the uh, the tintype uh, of uh, Billy that now belongs in the collection of, is it Bill Coke? I'm trying to think which of the Coke brothers owns it. Um, that uh, the picture and tin types are reversed images. And so, and if you use a Mac <laughs> computer and you use the little photo booth application here, you'll see how that works. Everything is reversed. I don't know why. There's probably a setting where you could turn that around. I think I'm not even sure, but um, yeah, the, uh, it automatically reverses the image. Uh, and so that picture of Billy that, you know, had been, uh, you know, handed down and uh, published, you know, for generations, uh, it shows him to be with his Colt on his left hip and his right hand on the rifle. Also in his, 
<laughs> uh, is it his left hand? Is he holding a cigar? Is it his pinky? Is it his thumb? Oh my God, who that? Who gives a flying? <laughs> who cares? But anyway, people will fight over anything. So uh, once somebody realized this, hey, this is reversed, we turn it around, then you go, oh, okay, his gun is on his right hip, so he's not left-handed. Um, but even still, the movie, The Left-Handed Gun, uh, didn't uh, quite get that uh, right. And I think by then, we, uh, we knew that Billy was, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get the, uh, <laughs> the left-handed gun up, left-handed gun 18 uh, not 1858 1958 and by that point i think we pretty well knew that um that uh, the tintype was reversed but in any event paul newman plays a left-handed billy the kid there's the poster with him drawing with his left hand he's got his colt out in front of him looks uh yeah interesting cool so billy the kid right-handed now the other um the, uh, the, the fact, I don't know if you call it a fact, is that Billy was uh, ambidextrous and he um, could use either hand equally well. I'm not sure that anybody knows that for sure. I know that, you know, people, uh, the, I think it was the Coase that talked about his ability to shoot, you know, both hands uh, equally well. I don't know that that's all that unusual for a practiced gunman. I think that you or I or anybody else could do that if we put in enough time behind the trigger of a gun and be able to shoot well with both hands. That doesn't make you ambidextrous. I guess it does in uh, at least using a firearm, but can you play tennis left-handed? Can you throw a baseball left-handed? Can you chop wood, you know, predominantly left-handed or swing a golf club left-handed? So there, I guess there's degrees of ambidextrousness um, and I don't know that Billy was ambidextrous or not, but uh, we do know, at least from the photo, that he was not a lefty. He was not a lefty. Um, I'm going to give you a tip here. This is a good health tip for you <laughs> coming from the guy who got COVID. No, but here's the thing. When you go to any sort of a public building, a store, an office building, whatever, and they've got two doors, right? So there's, you know, a door that swing, you open with your right hand, a door you open with your left hand. Um, I use the, uh, and I've done this for years, I use the go left and go low methodology. Only 10% of the world is left-handed. Most people will open the door with their dominant hand and they'll open the door that meets that. So if that means that 90% of the germs, you know, you know, nine times the number of people are going to touch that right-hand door and pull it open, as will the left-handed person. Additionally, most people will either grab the handle in their, the palm of their hand or on top. So I, re <laughs> I know this sounds ridiculous. I reach down low as if you turn your palm up to the sky and grab the handle from there. The chances of picking up germs there are much, much lower than on the right-hand door and also lower than on the people that use the left-handed door because they usually don't grab from the bottom. They grab from the middle or the top. So go left and go low and you will uh, <laughs> you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, I guess. I don't know. But that's a free tip for you uh, <laughs> from me to you. Hope you enjoy it. All right. So Billy, not a left-hander. Uh, okay, next uh, next 
myth is that uh, Billy the Kid, William H. Bonney, and John Tunstall uh, were had a close relationship. Billy idolized or worshipped the Tunstall, or you know, just saw him as you know some sort of I don't know father brother figure. Um, uh, that, as we've talked about in the past, doesn't seem to have any basis in any existing evidence. Not once in any of uh, Tunstall's letters back to England to his father does he mention Billy Bonney. And you would think if you, you know, had this kid that you, you know, that came to work with you and you uh, thought a lot of him and thought you could, you know, help him become a a fine young man, that you would talk about him to somebody. But none of the regulators seem to talk about Billy and his close personal relationship with Tunstall. Tunstall never talked about it. The only thing that that seems to be based on is somebody's recollection that when Tunstall's body was brought into, laid out in McSween's house, that Billy stands over the body and says, I'll get some of them before I die. And we don't even know that that was said. Uh, there's uh, reports that it was said by other regulators. It probably was said by all of them. You know, I'll get him. I'll get, I'll tell, you know, you're talking to John. He's dead, but he's laying there. You say, John, I'm going to avenge you. I'm going to get some of them. So that is uh, remembered or recollected because Billy the Kid became a legend. I don't, I don't have any reason to doubt he said that. But that in itself doesn't make any sort of close personal relationship between Billy the Kid and John Tunstall. And if you track Tunstall's movements running back and forth, you know, from the ranch to court to Lincoln, you know, trying to, to preserve or save his business, there's not a lot of time where those guys were just settled down in one place where, you know, Billy and Tunstall would, I don't know, have a glass of milk or something if Billy didn't drink. Um, and uh, talk about old times or new times or, you know, their childhood and reminisce and get to know each other. And it just doesn't seem like there's any time. They're in this uh, cloud of impending war almost from the time Billy's hired. That's kind of the reason he and other regulators are hired on the payroll because Tunstall knows that trouble is coming. So, um, yeah, uh, close personal friends, no. Father figure as shown in uh, Young Guns, mm, no. I mean, it doesn't seem that way anyway. Tunstall only 24 years old. Uh, yeah, brothers, mm, no, don't think so. Think Billy just had a job and worked for the guy. And probably in the short time that he worked for him, Tunstall. <laughs> Careful. Uh, Tunstall uh, gets Billy out of jail, apparently buys him a suit, you know, gets him a horse, you know, get, in other words, hey, let me get this guy and shape him up here so he can work for me. And that may have been enough to win Billy's uh, affection or his, uh, you know, his admiration for Tunstall. But beyond that, doesn't seem like anything much happened. And so when Tunstall dies, Billy loses an employer but he doesn't really lose a close friend. Still a tragedy. All right. So we're at number six. Number six of Billy the Kid myths. And then I'm going to give you some of these, uh, some of these other ones that I found that I don't consider them all that big. And this one uh, is uh, one that will, I'm sure, be hotly debated by the believers and non-believers. But that is that Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid were close personal friends. 
And let's say this, there's a lot better chance that Billy and Garrett were close friends than Billy and Tunstall. Why? Because Billy only knew Tunstall for a few months. He was only in his employ for a few months, but Garrett had been on the scene for a couple of years, making his way in from the plains of Texas, hunting Buffalo to Fort Sumner, uh, tending bar, I think at Beaver Smith Saloon, but tending bar there, you know, while Billy was frequenting that area. This is before Garrett was tasked with, uh, you know, running for Lincoln County uh, Sheriff. And so there certainly was more time that these guys could have become friends. Uh, there certainly was more common interests in that uh, I, they both seemed to love the ladies. I mean, you know, Garrett, Garrett married um, one of the late, two of the ladies in Fort Sumner's first, first wife dies. And then he marries uh, an, another woman, uh, but, and Billy seemed to like the ladies too. So there's that um, they're both horsemen and gunsmen and, probably gamblers. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot in common there. I don't know that uh, Tunstall was much of a gambler. Um, he's not, never have been said to be chasing the ladies. Uh, so yeah, there's probably way less in common there. So could Billy the Kid and Pat Garrett have been very close personal friends? The answer to that is absolutely yes. Is there any proof that they were close personal friends? The answer to that is no, not that I could find anywhere. You, you see um, that Garrett talked admirably of the kid, especially after he was dead, which is a lot, a lot easier to do. Uh, you don't have to watch what you say, I guess, at that point, unless you're afraid of his friends. But he did talk admirably about the kid's good qualities. And these were in interviews with some of the papers he talked about you know billy was you know strong and agile and he could whip mexicans uh uh you know more times than not i don't mean this is not a sexual thing like he's whipping you know <laughs> mexican people uh but you know in a fight um that uh you know billy could handle himself even against bigger stronger opponents so so garrett lays out these things and it does sound like you know, kind of one of those, hey, this, you know, if not for the fact that he murdered my two deputies and I was going to have to hang him anyway, he was a pretty decent guy. But this is all happens for the most part after Billy's killed. If you look for evidence before Billy uh, is, is killed or not, or escapes and, you know, heads to Rama or Zuni or uh, the Yaki to, to live with the Yaki Indians. But if you look for evidence of these guys being really close friends before that, there really isn't any. There's very little um, um, evidence or uh, even hearsay at the time. There's people later on that say, oh, yeah, you know, they were close friends. One, Pat Garrett was big casino and Billy was little casino. And you could see that that myth worked its way into the second Young Guns movies when they used those exact, uh, those exact words. But there just isn't anything, no contemporary accounts at that time that talked about these two guys being really good friends, riding together, you know, chasing women together, stealing cows together, like you saw in Young Guns too. It just doesn't doesn't seem to to be true. So we have to leave that one with a question mark that it could be. It's it's clear that they had to know each other. They had to know each other, you know, before the the final manhunt, right? Because 
they were in the same area. I mean, Billy frequented Fort Sumner. Uh, Garrett was there for quite a while. Uh, Garrett, you know, was, was uh, made his way back to Lincoln for the election. I mean, they, they existed in the same area. And it's not like there were millions of people in New Mexico. There's still not. There's only, I don't know if we even have 2 million people here. But um, so it, you know, it could be that on a Saturday night, Billy goes to a, a baie. Is that the way you pronounce it? I think that's a dance. Um, and uh, he sees Pat Garrett dancing with a pretty girl. And, uh, you know, Billy smiles a little and walks over and goes, uh, hey, Pat, go go pick on somebody your own age, old man. I'm cutting in. And Garrett could, you know, laugh. <laughs> go ahead, Billy. Don't, you won't always get the last laugh on me or, you know, something like that. So I imagine they knew each other. I'm sure they had to know each other's name. I'm sure it was at least one of those things where you see the guy walking the other way and you nod and go, hey, you know, what's up? Or something like that. And it could have been more. But as far as them being really close friends, not really much to uh, to go on to prove that. And if you if you want that to be true, um, then you uh, you have to cast Pat Garrett either as the close um, confidant and uh, you know kind of ride or die friend for Billy the Kid, or you have to cast Pat Pat Garrett as an easily duped moron if you want brushy bill or john miller to get away right in other words garrett was so stupid he couldn't even outsmart three against one he couldn't outsmart the kid or you know the kid snuck out under the cover of darkness and garrett just <laughs> garrett just shoots somebody let me just shoot anybody and then we'll put him in a box and like we can get out of here um so it's that or it's got to be that Garrett, you know, and the kid were such close friends that they cooked up this plan in advance. You know, Billy, I can't kill you. Uh, you're, we're good friends. Don't you remember that dance we went to that time? Uh, and so uh, since we're friends, I am going to fake a killing and let you go. I mean, it has to be one or the other in order for Garrett to uh, to just let Billy go. If that's the you know, if that's the, the storyline that you want to pursue. Um, but, uh, Garrett didn't seem like a dupe, right? He certainly had his challenges in life, anger being one of them, drinking being another one, uh, poor financial management being a third, uh, but he didn't seem like that. And there just isn't any evidence on the other side that Garrett was such good friends with Billy that he would concoct a plan to let him go and, uh, get and go wherever the heck he went to. So there you go. So those are the biggest myths about Billy the Kid. I'm going to read you a few others here, though. Um, here's one, and this is from aboutbillythekid.com. So this is not my information or research. Uh, myth is that Billy the Kid had a younger brother named Edward, and he had an older brother named Joseph. Uh, so we've never seen an Edward McCarty. Uh, it certainly is, was a Joseph McCarty, generally believed to be younger and Billy, not older, and not a younger brother named Edward. So that's one. Uh, here's another myth. At the age of 12, Billy killed his first man who had insulted his mother. After the killing, he bid his mother farewell and ran away. Um, yeah, that's uh, never been seen. In fact, Billy uh, presumably was there at his mother's bedside when she died. And uh, the first person he killed was August 18th, 1877 at Camp Grant. It says Fort Grant, but I think it was Camp Grant, but who knows, uh, in Arizona. And that was Wendy Cahill. We talked about the Billy Barlow knife already. Um, here's another one. I don't even know where this came from. 
uh, Billy the Kid <laughs> was short, chubby, and ugly. Uh, gosh, that's um, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, he, he, I don't even know if you could consider short. So the Las Vegas Gazette, Gazette says he's about five feet eight or nine, slightly built and lithe, weighing about uh, one hundred and forty pounds. A frank, open countenance, looking like a schoolboy with the blah 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 blah. All he is. In all, quite a handsome looking fellow. The only imperfection being two prominent front teeth, slightly protruding like a squirrel's teeth. And he has agreeable and winning ways. Uh, that, of course, was written after Billy was dead, December 27th, 1881. So where they, you know, they weren't afraid of uh, any blowback on that. Um, I don't, uh, I've never heard anybody say that Billy was short, chubby, and ugly. Um, the picture of him certainly does not I mean, he's not Brad Pitt. Let's let's be honest. Uh, but maybe it wasn't a great picture, um, and maybe uh, yeah, they just caught him on a bad day. Paulita Maxwell said, "I never liked the picture. I don't think it does Billy justice." Um, and uh, she went on to further say that you know he never wore rough clothes like that when he was in Fort Sumner when he was out on the range, but when he was in town, he was always neatly dressed. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean that that seems like a like a stretch, the short, chubby, and ugly. And by the way, five seven or five eight, I think it's probably pretty. I think today it's average. I think the average U.S. male is five eight. Um, so five seven is yeah, one hundred and forty years ago. It's probably not short. Um, uh, chubby. You can look at his picture and go. I mean, he had a lot of clothes on. You know, he's got the shirt and he's got the vest and he's got the sweater and he's got the pants and the boots and and he does look a little <laughs> frumpy <laughs> frumpy the kid <laughs> oh gosh i mean he really does he's it's not it's not his best look i mean i think he could have cleaned up and walked the red carpet <laughs> and looked a lot better than that um but i wouldn't say a chubby and I don't know where these guys would have the, the, the availability of, you know, unfettered food where they would get chubby if they're, you know, stealing horses and cattle and kind of, you know, evading the law all the time. If you lived in town, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I guess you could eat as much as you wanted, but I don't know that they would have that. Um, and, uh, and ugly, well, I, that, that's, that's in the eye of the beholder, right? I mean, that's whatever. So there are women today, women... <laughs> <laughs> that I, you know, I hear from all the time that would, that would uh, probably kill for a, for a roll in the hay with Billy the Kid. I don't get that. I don't get that outlaw or that criminal fascination, you know, from women or from men. There's probably guys that would pay too. Uh, but um, yeah, but uh, I don't know if they think he's really handsome or they just, they just like the idea of, I don't know. Let's move on. Uh, so uh, Billy had a hair, another one had a hair trigger temper, which could explode with the slightest provocation. Um, yeah, I don't, it, most uh, contemporary accounts have him as being kind of lighthearted and jovial. Yeah, certainly could uh, certainly could switch when he needed to and didn't hesitate to uh, to kill if that's what he felt needed to be done. But, uh, you know, the the hair trigger temper if that were the case, especially in the time and place that he lived, I think there would be a lot higher body count and a lot more of an opportunity, or, or he would have been dead much earlier because he would have gotten into more scraps with guns and somebody would have shot him. So uh, I think we can discount that one. Billy was illiterate and had no schooling. 
Um, that sounds um, that sounds ridiculous because uh, he. I don't know if he wrote the letters to Governor Wallace. Uh, there's there's at least two different handwritings amongst those letters, but he probably did. And uh, he was in school. I mean, his teachers uh, back from when he was in Silver City uh, talked about him, and his cha- his friend Chauncey Truesdale talked about Billy being in school. So he certainly had schooling. He probably had nothing more than what do you call it, primary schooling, or maybe what we would consider junior high school, middle school. But I think it was enough. Uh, Jesse Evans and Billy the Kid were childhood friends. Um, Evans was older, uh, significantly older than the kid. Uh, No real evidence that they were friends um, because, you know, Evans, uh, at the time that, uh, you know, Billy, his mom dies and then he's, you know, from place to place and starts his life of crime, Evans is already you know, kind of leading his own gang. So I don't know how they would have known each other unless Jesse was Billy's babysitter uh, and Billy didn't even get to Silver City in time to need one. So don't think so. Uh, We already talked about John Tunstall. Uh, Billy the Kid was a large scale rustler. I I think we all know that that's not true. Um, The biggest theft of stock seems to be that September 6th, 1878 theft from the Fritz Ranch along with uh, some of the regulators. So it was some 150 head of cattle. That was just in a recent episode, but everything else was relatively small time and uh, in quantity so that the guys could live. Yeah, I mean, they, they, needed, they needed some money. I mean, even then. So uh, it was not as easy as you'd think to just live off the land. So yeah, horses and cattle are certainly a crime, but a large scale rustler, no, there certainly were uh, uh, criminal uh, entities that did that on a much more significant basis. And then the last one here, oh, it's not the last one, uh, that there were wanted posters on Billy the Kid. No, never. Um, the uh, Governor Wallace posts a, uh, a, uh, a, a notice in the Las Vegas Gazette that offers a $500 reward. I will pay $500 reward to any person or persons who will capture William Bonney, alias the kid, and deliver him to any sheriff of New Mexico. Satisfactory proofs of identity will be required. But no poster, no picture, no nothing. Uh, And that's it. Uh, Billy the kid shot a man for snoring too loud at a hotel. Uh, That's a John Wesley Harden thing, so a case of mistaken identity. Billy the Kid rode with Jesse James. No proof of that, although Dr. Henry Hoyt says they certainly met at uh, Hot Springs, uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. They had dinner, and uh, somebody says that uh, an offer was proffered for Billy to join Jesse James' gang. And if they did meet, I I don't doubt that. I mean, Jesse James was having trouble finding people he could trust. By that point, you know, having to, to live your whole life looking over your shoulder. So maybe he thought Billy was uh, uh, was somebody that uh, he could trust. Uh, and then, of course, the, I'm not going to bring this up. <laughs> We're not going to go into this. But the uh, final one is Billy the Kid was not killed on July 14, 1881, but lived to be an old man. For the last word on that, go watch the final trial of Billy the Kid on Amazon and Vimeo Worldwide. So we have talked about Billy. Plenty of myths out there. And I think it's fair to say that 90% of what we know 
or what we think we know about Billy the Kid is augmented reality or is outright fabrication. He didn't live that long. He didn't write, you know, copious journals and notes, and nor did anyone that was with him, you know, follow him around as a reporter would and, uh, and write about his every move. You know, researchers have done an admirable job of piecing together his life and his, uh, his uh, movement around the territory and those kind of things. But they've done that with, uh, you know, a significant amount of research and culling what they could from public records and, uh, you know, private remembrances and, and anecdotes. Uh, but again, you, the way history works is you just keep coloring it the farther away you get from the actual event. So the things that we know uh, are, are small. The things that we think we know or the things that are fact are very small in number. And we don't really know, I believe, who the real Billy the Kid was because everybody, by the time they were asked about it, had already determined he was my friend, he was my enemy, he was a cold-blooded murderer, he was a jovial killer. Who he would, In other words, they'd already made him something. But the only way that you're ever going to know who he really was, was to go meet him. And I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> at this late date. I just don't see it. So with that, we're going to say uh, goodbye, <laughs> farewell for this episode of All Things Billy. Um, hope you have enjoyed it. I've uh, got some uh, good, uh, good shows coming up for you this summer, working on a special Billy the Kid music show with Yukon Kim. And uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to, you know, sing some Billy the Kid music. She's going to bring her guitar on and I'm going to have my guitar. And we're going to call in a very, very special guest. Hey, what happened to my computer? <laughs> totally froze up here. Sorry about that. Lost my way. And I'm about to run out of recording time here. So. We're going to have to wrap it up quick, but uh, James Townsend has agreed to uh, to join us. So there'll be three of us singing our favorite Billy songs, you know, getting a little campfire talk. And that means I'll be in the top three singers in that episode. <laughs> I'll probably be number three, <laughs> but I'm still going to be on the podium and that'll be coming up later this summer. Anyway, that's all I've got for now. So. Uh, thanks for joining me on All Things Billy. I'm Michael Anthony, Judas Sissy. Go watch the film, The Final Trial of Billy the Kid, and uh, we'll see you next time.